Welcome to the Gene Oliver Podcast, where we talk all things business, art, and lifestyle. This is your podcast for building a more creative life. I created a free resource and mini workbook just for you. 10 Tips to Take Back the Peace for a More Beautiful Life. A free ebook if you're looking for some rest in your day-to-day like I was. Go to geneoliver.com slash 10 tips to get your free resource. Creativity is calling. Become the artist you have dreamed to be. After the podcast, meet me over at geneoliver.com where you will find art, business, and lifestyle online courses. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jean Oliver, and today I'm talking with Allie Edwards. Allie is a pioneer in the memory-keeping world of storytelling, capturing day-to-day life, documenting, and preserving photos. She leads live workshops, offers online courses, is the creator of licensed product, designer, blogger, and author. I often tease that scrapbooking was my gateway drug into diving into the creative life I now live. It allowed me to engage with my creativity and reawaken that part of me that I had ignored for too long. The storytelling, design, supplies, and giving myself the time to create were all huge sources of inspiration and direction. Allie, I have long admired you, how you share your world, and how you guide others to find their own story. I'm thrilled to talk with you today. Welcome to the podcast. You are so kind. Thank you. That Uh, was a very nice intro. Seems like a lot of stuff. And then I'm like, I'm just sitting here at my house, just (laughs) doing my stuff. (laughs) Well, would you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your business? Sure. I, I am living in Eugene, Oregon. I'm from the Northwest. And my business right now is essentially um, designing and selling and encouraging people to tell their stories. And we do that with intentional scrapbooking slash memory keeping products. Um, I started scrapbooking in 2002 when my son Simon was born, um, the end of of the year, like right around the time he was turning one and had no intention of this being a business, no intention actually at that time of really working. I envisioned that I had a husband that was going to be the breadwinner and I would have lots of children and be in charge of that kind of stuff. Um, and then it all kind of just went from there the words and the photos and the scrapbooking, I just like immediately wanted to do it all the time and, you know, had some flexibility in my time and shared images online and just kind of entered the world that way, which has now grown to being a full fledged business (laughs) and little enterprise. Um, And I love it. Like I'm super, super thankful and happy and it encompasses lots of different things for sure. Well, what is the backstory of either your world or growing up or family influence or even other inspirations that drew you into even starting scrapbooking in the first place and knowing that you wanted to preserve your own thoughts and photos yeah. and your stories? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I, I've always been really visually inclined. Like visual organization has always been something that I've been interested in. Um, always loved magazines, always loved the way uh, that things were laid out in magazines, like just drawn to that. But art or design or any sort of career like that was not ever presented as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I couldn't have like imagined that for myself, but my parents, you know, when we would talk about things, it was always very um, 
professional and, you know, doctor, attorney. I love to read and I love to write. So that was, those were always really um, kind of big undercurrents for me. When I, when I went to college originally, I actually went to study marine biology because I was going to be work with killer whales. That was like my, my thing. But I had one semester, one term of chemistry uh, college level chemistry. And I was like, I hate this. I don't, there's, I, there's nothing about this that I like, like, why am I doing this? And so I eventually made my way over to, um, the English department and ended up getting my degree in American studies. So I studied history, American history and American literature and political science, which are all like things that I'm still Passionate very about. interested yeah. in very, you know, that, that has been a, a through line for me. Um, but after I graduated from college with that, degree, I actually intended on, on being an attorney. And so I had um, done an internship and, and those sorts of things and had planned to move to Eugene, which is where I live now from Corvallis, which is where Oregon State was, um, with my boyfriend at the time who would become my husband. We moved here. His family was from here and just got a job. And I worked at a cellular phone place and which like sucked the soul out of me. And I would wake up and I would like want to throw up. And I, you know, it was like, it was, it was a hor- it was horrible, but it was also great at the same time because when I was working there, um, what I started doing was like, I, I wanted to make the signs for the store. You know, they would be like, oh, we need a sign for the door. And I was like, I'll make a sign for the door if I can sit at the computer and do something instead of like trying to sell people a phone, which, you know, my my sales tactics, I think even today are still like, if you want it, buy it. If you don't want it, don't buy it. Like it doesn't, you know, I'm not a, a pushy salesperson. Um, and it, it just, yeah. So I got to do signage there. And while I was there, then I ended up uh, going back to school and getting a graphic design degree at a local community college and sitting, going to the classes on the first day and sitting there in a specific graphic design class. Like that was a complete aha moment in my life. I knew I was in the right place. Um, I can vividly, I can see myself sitting in that classroom. Like I, that was definitely it for me. So I did have this, I have a reading background, I have a writing background and then paired with the graphic design pieces at the community college it opened up, you know, lots of potential, even though I was planning to just kind of stay at home, it still was, you know, skills that I had and graphic design would always be something that I could go back to if I wanted to. Um, but after Simon was born, I, um, wanted to make a baby book was essentially how it all started. And my parents took pictures growing up. So I had tons of pictures of me as a kid. They weren't professional photographers, but they just liked taking pictures and they still take pictures. Now they take pictures of their flowers all the time. Like that's their, their thing. Um, so I wanted to make a baby book, looked online, didn't find anything that really spoke to me. Like it was a lot of cutesy kinds of things there. We, you and I can see each other right now and there's like a rainbow. So there's some, I like some cutesy things, but I also like really modern stuff. And so, um, when I started looking for it, I couldn't find anything that kind of fit my style. And I ended up coming across a website that was a scrapbooking website that was called two peas in a bucket, which isn't around any longer. Um, but that was really where I learned. You remember? Yeah. Yeah. That was where I learned about a more modern style of scrapbooking where people were emphasizing photography and emphasizing the storytelling more than even what today people may envision a scrapbook looks like. Um, so that was really the jumping off point for me, a desire to 
to capture, you know, memories. And, but, but I think over, as time has gone on, the story has become significantly more important to me and has become a bigger part of my brand and, and, and what I encourage people to do. Um, and a lot of that is just by going back and looking at my projects from when I first started and wishing that I had written more things down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, a lot of that too. Yeah. Well, when did you know that you had a way of memory keeping that could be shared with others? So here you're on this creative path of your own, but then, so how long into that process did you realize you were onto something and that you knew that you had something special and then maybe that first glimmer that maybe you had a business idea? I think for me, um, participating in that online community, it was a very vibrant community at the time. And there were, a, you know, for the scrapbooking industry, whether it was businesses or people that were just wanting to scrapbook, um, big gallery, people, you know, lots of conversation. Um, so this would have been before Facebook, right? Before mm-hmm. Instagram, Twitter, like all those things. Um, and I started posting on there very soon after I started and probably at that point in time was posting, you know, every day, like I was very active and, and, um, enjoying the process of just making stuff and sharing it and was getting really positive feedback. And I think that that positive feedback from other people who either liked the style of the pages that I was putting together or they liked photography or whatever, just a really, it was a good community at that time to receive that kind of feedback. And not very long after that, I think probably within, actually for me, within three months or so of starting to post on there, um, one of the scrapbooking magazines at the time reached out. And that was kind of the beginning of you know, taking it to something else, but still not ever thinking this is going to become what, you know, supports our family and does that kind of stuff. It was definitely a gradual evolution um, of people asking, you know, would you like to participate in this? Would you like to do this? And saying yes and saying no, you know, depending on what it was. And then at a certain point, I was just saying yes to a lot of things that were then starting to generate uh, income. Wow. Yeah. One thing I recognize right away when I see anything that you share is an honest vulnerability and a transparency that's actually just really refreshing. And I know there's a lot that you don't share, I am sure, but how Mm -hmm. long did it take you to figure out what voice you would have across your classes, social media, your blog, and your own memory keeping? Just like, what what did you decide that you would include? That's such a good question. I feel like that it's always been like a continual learning process that I don't remember ever, you know, sitting here in my office or at my desk or even before it was a professional thing and, and, and saying, this is the voice I'm going to use. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think for me doing this now, so that was 2002. So, you know, that was a long time ago now, almost, what, almost 20, is that over 20? I can't even count. My my math skills are not good. Um, So many years of practice, right, of doing it over and over again, of writing down stories, of writing on a blog. I started a blog in 2004, uh, and that I still use that now, not in the same way that I did in the beginning. Um, A lot of the, like, personal posts that I would have written on my blog now are Instagram posts. Like, it's just the formats kind of changed. Uh, So I think really for me, it was a lot about practice and finding 
you know, finding what my own level of comfort was and what were my own boundaries. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, you know, I kind of made a decision at some point in time that I wasn't going to, I didn't want to throw anybody under the bus. Like I didn't, you know, in telling my personal stories, I wasn't going to um, say things like, you know, it's so-and-so's fault or, you know, something like that. It, it's always been, as I tell the stories, I tell them from my perspective, often from the lens of what did I learn through the situation or, you know, it's always been me telling the story. So it's right. my, um, you know, my perspective and, and how I feel about it. Uh, and it's a dance. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's like a, it's, I, there's been times when I've been super uncomfortable to have to write something down and, you know, where I have definitely taken time and been very intentional with how I've written things out. And then there are other times where I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. you know, I just write it down really fast and let it go. And, and, and there it goes. Um, but I definitely would say that I'm aware of boundaries and that I have boundaries and that those are um, really important to me in living, you know, a, a public life within this, um, community of people. Well, and then just following up on that, do you create just for yourself and never show anyone what you write or have things saved just for your kids? So that balance that you're talking about, what is it like when you want to collect memories for your family? Uh, but it's also something you do for a business. Are there things, you know, that are, yeah, there these days, there really isn't anything that I make that I don't share. So I would say pretty much, you know, anytime I would do a scrapbook layout or, you know, writing something here in my office, it's going to be shared in even art journaling or those sorts of things, which I do, you know, from time to time. Um, I, I, there, there isn't a lot of things that I don't, that I do that I don't share. Um, there's probably some personal journaling that I do, especially when I'm like in the middle of a really hard place. I will absolutely use that as a technique to straighten out my thoughts. Um, so I do have some personal journals like that, but I'm not a daily personal journal writer. Uh, most of the things that, that I make get shared. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone call it scrapbooking anymore? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I still say, I say scrapbooking because sometimes that is the best way to explain it forever for me now, forever since I've been involved with this, I always have a hard time explaining what I do because as soon as you say scrapbooking, people have an immediate image in their right. head of what that looks like. So then I always have to qualify it with well, actually, you know, it's a more modern take and it's more about photography and it's more about writing. Um, but it is also about design and it's also about layout and it's also about, you know, bringing all of these different things together and creating projects that have a beginning and an end. You know, there's a lot more to it. And it's also about personal development, a lot of it for me too. Um, so yeah, we still say that I say memory keeping sometimes it's yeah. Well, you, it doesn't come up with a new name yeah. for it. I'll be working on that. I'll get back to you next week. <laughs> a rebranding. Yeah, of, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. We're going to rebrand the whole industry. Yeah, yeah. Well, it yeah. just doesn't look like the scrapbooking I used to do. It doesn't look like the scrapbooking that I was introduced to 20 years ago. Yeah. And so, and I think it's just evolved so beautifully. And I think yeah. it's actually been a creative gateway for a lot of people who were so hungry to engage in their creativity and 
it's like they were just waiting for permission, which we don't need, but we right. still as women sometimes need that excuse. And, and I think the reason it worked for me, I don't know about other people, but scrapbooking meant I could be creative, but then I was telling myself I was doing it for other people. I was doing it for my family. So it actually took me a while to realize like, I actually can do this just for me. Yeah, You know, I can do this creating and this making just for me. And I don't know how long that would have taken me without scrapbooking. Yeah. Isn't that so, it's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to think about that a little bit more. I like how you said that in the intro, you know, of it kind of being a gateway. And I can think of other people Mm -hmm. that I've come across over the years who have, um, you know, gotten involved with scrapbooking in one way or another who have moved on into other creative pursuits. it's so, it's super interesting. I think for me, I've all actually always looked at it probably, probably from within the first year of starting to do it, um, that it was something for me, that it wasn't, um, you know, for my kids. And I talk about that a lot in, in classes and, and in, you know, in blog posts and things like that of, of encouraging people that this is your story. Like you can't right. tell your kid's story. You can tell their story from your perspective of what right. you see, what you're witnessing, what your feelings are about that. Um, and that's really, I mean, there's so much beauty in ha- being able to have that self-expression. Um, so it's always interesting, you know, it's a, people come to it from different places and they leave it and head off in different directions, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Well, because scrapbooking looks so different, especially how you do it, um, how did you come up with Day in the Life? Um, It's like you stripped everything else away that doesn't matter, and you got right to the heart of why people preserve memories, photos, and thoughts in the first place. So what inspired this new way to document? So what I what I really, really love are everyday kinds of stories. Um, Back in the day when I first started, many people were focused on events, right? Which again is you're, you know, you're telling the story of your kids, right? Or you're doing this for someone else. So you're documenting the things that you, that we've been told are the important moments, right? right. Um, which obviously some of them are births and deaths and things like that, but also birthdays and Christmas. And so people put a lot of value on those stories. And as I got into it and I, as I started taking more pictures and I started looking around, what what I valued the most were the everyday, very basic kinds of stories. Um, a lot about gratitude, a lot about looking around and, you know, looking at my house and what am I thankful for? And, you know, the, the meals we eat and the way the carpet looks and those sorts of things. And some of that also came from thinking about, you know, what do I wish, what do I wish I knew about my mom when she was 30 or 40? And I can ask her cause she's still around, uh, but she can't remember those actual in the moment feelings, which is what I'm hungry for. Like those are the kinds of stories that I want to read. So I've really trained myself to think about um, and tell stories with that in mind, right? What do I wish I knew about somebody else, my my parents or my grandparents and and trying to incorporate more everyday kinds of stuff. So day in the life, uh, which is one of the projects that I do, you know, where you are simply documenting what your day looks like. Uh, it's very um, photojournalistic, which is the kind of 
photography that I like to take, um, you know, basic everyday kinds of stuff, things, pictures of people not looking at the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have a mixture of both, but I want my, my main goal is to capture people doing what they do, right? Engaging in whatever it is that they're into. One of my, you know, Simon, my son loves Lego. So lots of pictures of him playing with his Legos rather than being like, Simon, look over here. Let me take your picture. Um, I like to capture relationships, right? People interacting with one another. Again, not looking at the camera, but looking at each other. And so Day in the Life gives us the opportunity to capture those kinds of basic things. And it also teaches people who say, my life is boring, nothing happens. You know, we do the same thing every day. It teaches them that there's actually so much more magic in the everyday than they think at first. That's the goal anyway. Well, and I love it. And I think that if I were to do it again, that's the way that I would want to do it. I mean, most of us have stacks and stacks of our families or a grandparents' uh, photo albums, and they're full of uh, little squares of everybody lined up looking right at the camera. And you're like, who is this person even? Like, I, I don't know them at all. And, yeah. What and did they right. care about? What, yeah. you know, yeah. what who were the things they? that made them tick? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think too, because you're documenting daily, there's things that we think we're never going to forget. And we do. All the time. Yeah. I think of these little things that I forget about. And if we didn't happen to have that video clip that we come across or this random notes that we wrote to ourselves about something one of the kids, you know, had, were doing at that time. I, I, so many times I've said, I actually forgot that until just this moment. And I'm so glad we recorded that it would have been lost forever. And it was such a, you know, so I love that so much. I think it's at the heart of what memory keeping is not just the big things, not what you want people to remember, but what was. Right. Absolutely. What was and what is. Yeah. That's what, yeah. that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Well, yeah. you also started a huge movement in one little word. And I see how it has trickled to so many different creative communities and really has become a way for individuals to set intentions for their year. So that must be very humbling for you to see how big that has become. But also, what was the story behind that? That came about... I'm trying to think of what year it was, 2007, 2006. And it was a year when I was looking at, you know, resolutions, which I'm, you know, like I like, I love the new year. I like turning the page. I like a fresh start. Like that's, that is part of my personality, just like something that I'm attracted to. Um, And, you know, had, had made resolutions in the past, but I think so much of it for me is that I really do love words. And the idea of being able to focus on one word that would be my guide for the year. I just tried it and I wanted to see what was going to, you know, what would happen? What would happen if I just had this, you know, here, I'm going to pick this word and I'm just going to live with it this year and, you know, try to have it be my focal point and use it as a lens that I can look through in my life. Um, and it just kind of took off. Like it resonated with other people. And I think that there have probably been other people that like, I'm not the only one that's had this idea. There's other people out there as well. Um, but it, it resonated with people that were in my community also um, as an option or as an alternative to having, you know, resolutions. Um, and it's just been like, I can't imagine life without that now. Uh, we started doing a workshop in 2011. So, so since 2011, I've done every single month since 
January 2011, have done a some sort, reacted to some sort of a creative prompt um, documenting my experience with my word. So I have albums, you know, that cover a couple of years and just every single month, that's what I do. Um, and it's not like, it's not a ton of work. It's not, I don't feel a ton of pressure related to it. It's just a check-in with, okay, here's my word for this year. And, you know, how are things actually, is it, you know, how, what, am I living in alignment with that? Right. You know, how, have the intentions that I set in January you know, what, what's happening with those just gives me kind of a path. Well, what's so nice about it is so many times people do set an intention for the beginning of the year and then they forget about it. And so by having that monthly check-in, you're keeping yourself on track. Um, We all get off track, but you're able to see where you want to get back on track. And I would think it just brings this really beautiful self-awareness to yourself. Um, Like I have a choice. Am I choosing what I say I want? Am I actually living and acting and loving and sharing? sharing and giving and all these ways that are at the heart of what I say I want, but man, I'm just sure not walking out some of those things. And so, um, I love that. That's what I read about in there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I, I really love that. And well, and I think too, it just goes to the next thing. So many people have beautiful ideas, Allie, um, all the time. They have beautiful ideas, but they don't walk them out or there's something in them. They have all this resistance in themselves of, uh, questioning themselves or walking them out or, and they just don't, actually see themselves showing up in that way. And so you've created so many beautiful ideas and techniques and supplies to help others document their memories. What has your personal process been of knowing when to actually trust your gut and when to pursue an idea? And what does this really look like for you? Because I'm guessing at this point, it's not too different from anybody else who's walked out things creatively. You now just trust yourself now. So right now I can say, just because I I lead a creative life, you lead a creative life, I I can tell you the only way you, you know, I know you've gotten to this point because now you trust it. You didn't in the beginning. So like in the beginning, you did have to walk through it, even though you were scared or because maybe you were uncertain or maybe you didn't care. Maybe you're like, I'm just going to do this. Maybe there was that part of you that this sounds awesome and fun. Like what did that look like in the beginning? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I've ever honestly thought about that in, in that way. Um, I think that I, there is a little, there is a, one piece of me that is trust my internal compass. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely have a slice. And I think that that predated this, you know, like that is a piece of my personality. Um, I am someone that is more likely to take action than not take action. Mm-hmm. Um, Anxiety has been a piece of my story, but my anxiety motivates me to <laughs> to take action. Where some people with anxiety, it clo- they it um, they want to close off and hide. For so me, explain that about you then. So yeah, in, for me, how it's anxiety actually uh, motivates you to pursue something. Yes, I I would rather take action. Like. I, there is a sense of calm that happens for me when I take action rather than um, sitting in the worry or mm-hmm. hiding. Um, and so I think that that piece of my personality has definitely helped over the years as I have, um, you know, just tried things out. And I think for me too, it 
took such a long, like it's been such a long road, not in a negative way. It just, because I didn't set out to say, I am going to build a business. I am going to start in, you know, point A and we're going to end up at point C. Like that's never been, that's just hasn't been how it's been for me. It's been one, one little decision after another, Mm -hmm. right? Saying yes to something or saying no to something or saying yes to something for a while and then saying no to something. Um, And I, I don't want that to come across as like, I'm not scared because I'm probably scared all the time too. Like, and, and especially in the way that the world is now with, you know, when we put things out there, the, the feedback is immediate, right? Mm-hmm. And the feedback can be really positive, but it can also be really negative. Mm-hmm. So over the years, I've definitely had those highs and lows of dealing with um, other people's opinions uh, of things and have learned to kind of just, again, bring it back to, you know, what's my boundary and what's my personal direction um, in this and what do I care about? And am I living my values? And at the same time, um, you know, being able to listen a little bit and take feedback and go, okay, you know what, that you are right. Like this is like, we should do that instead. Or, you know, lots of combination of things. I'm probably getting away from your original question because I don't know if I have an answer. (laughs) That's okay. But I think too, I I thought of something else as you're talking. I mean, you share, I mean, you share your life. Your your business is literally sharing your own memory keeping. It is literally that. Which then opens up people to think that they can possibly make a lot of comments on things. So, and you've gone through huge life changes um, in front of people and shared that along the way. Um, how have you guarded what to let in and what to let go of? Um, yeah, so I think that I have been. I've learned. I've had some lessons. So I can tell you. I, I've I got a couple examples here. One is um, Chris, who was my first husband, uh, and was my husband when I first started doing this. He was um, a was polit- a politician here in Oregon and had a public life in our area and in our, you know, within our state. Um, and when Barack Obama ran for office, uh, the 2016 or whenever that was originally, uh, is that right? I can't even, that's probably too late. Anyway, whatever year that was, um, I had written a blog post on election day because Chris and I had gone and visited election headquarters and, you know, Obama headquarters and we were supporters of his and, and, you know, basically did a day in the life of what life looks like on that election right. day, which you was very much in alignment your life and how of, you chose yes, to vote. Yeah. You know, sharing my stories yeah. of what we do and what we did and, and, you know, shared about that. And I don't know if I was naive in thinking that I probably was naive in thinking that people would read that just as reading my story. Uh, But what they actually just read in it was whatever their feelings were about the election itself. Mm. And so the comments on that post were dramatic Mm. one way, you know, either one Mm -hmm. way or the other. And I ended up, you know, turning off the comments and creating a, you know, writing something related to that. But I come 2006, whatever year that was, I come back to it um, again and again. Like that comes up for me when I think about 
what I want to include and not include. So I don't talk about politics. Yeah. Um, and that's been a personal decision. And I have some, I have, I have mixed feelings about that, mm-hmm. um, especially in my role today. Uh, but that is definitely a lesson that, that I learned in terms of, I really have to think through mm-hmm. some of these things, which is good and bad, right? You know, there's, if I was going to continue on the path that I was on, I needed to, to be able to think about those things a little bit deeper. So when, when Chris and I got a divorce, um, I was very intentional about what I wrote about that. Um, and, you know, said to my audience, this is how we plan to go forward. This is not about bashing anybody. This is not, there's none of that is going to be accepted here. I am going to speak very kindly of him. Please do the same. Like it was very, I I knew specifically what I, what I wanted to say about that. And, And that was true in my regular life. I mean, that was how I presented it with my parents. That was how I presented it with my friends. Mm -hmm. And that was based on a mutual decision to, that was how we wanted the story to unfold, right? Right. It's this is a very sad, we're not, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is, but this is what's happening. Um, And, and I've kept that, you know, since then. And now I've gotten remarried and lots of other things have happened. Um, But that's a good example of, of telling, you know, I, when I wrote that post about getting a divorce, it was never about, I'm going to tell you the whole story of why this is happening. Right. It was like, this is happening. We're and moving forward. Standards of which we're going to. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, we, I have a great relationship with him. He's included in lots of my stories. You know, it's a very, I feel very lucky, but we were also super intentional about how we went into that. So I don't, you know, and maybe if I hadn't been scrapbooking and maybe if I hadn't done all that self-work and, you know, writing stuff all the time and had the experience that I've had, I may not have approached it from that way. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm going to shift conversation (laughs) for a bit and just say with COVID-19, it's been such a hard time for families and businesses, schools, and really almost every area of our lives. So you do teach live workshops. Much of what you do is also online. Mm -hmm. So what new ways did your business decide to operate and what new ways did you want to connect with your customers during this time? I think for us, a lot of what we were doing previously is still what we are doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the connection that we have with people is online. So Facebook groups have been important for us for a number of years. So that's continued lots of, you know, people and conversations. And I think for me and for our business, continuing to do the same things that we've done in the past, offering the same annual projects, Mm -hmm. encouraging people to tell the story of what's happening right now. we haven't had to make a lot of changes. We've had to change some in-person events and, and moderate that a little bit. Um, we've offered some free workshops, um, but a lot of it has kind of stayed the same. And, you know, me being a person that's paying attention, you know, I'm definitely like how taking, constantly taking the temperature of how is this going? How is our community doing? Um, you know, how can we help them? What are those sorts of things? Um, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Like it just, you know, it's such a weird, such a weird time and weird's not even the, I don't think there's even a word to describe, um, what I think it when you're is in the middle of something it's hard to articulate until you get out of it absolutely and you look back. yeah and when you get out of it and you look back 
Um, so many people right now are just trying to survive. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, for a lot of people, it's not a time of thriving. It's, right. Yeah. And it's trying yep. to process. And so, so how did the stay at home order impact your own family and what good did you see come out of it? So is there anything that your family decided they don't want to go back to, uh, when the stay at home order is completely lifted? That's a good question. In our, in our family, we, our approach so far, so our family, we include all, we have three households, right? So we have our household here with Aaron and I, then we have Chris and his wife, Tiffany, that's ex-husband and his wife. And then we have my husband, Aaron's ex-wife, Aaron. So we, we consider ourselves a unit yeah. and we had a meeting when this all started to make sure that we were all on the same page. And, you know, we wanted the kids to be able to go back and forth and, to be, you know, how are we going to be able to make that happen? And we needed to all be on the same page. Um, so we adjusted our, uh, the time with kids a little bit um, off of how we had been doing it previously. We've extended it a little bit longer. Um, I think that that has been good. It's, it's just always interesting. Most, you know, our kids are from 11 to 18. And so they're old enough generally, and I'm saying generally in quotations, to do what they are supposed to be doing. Um, I can't imagine having little kids right now. Like that would be really, really hard. Um, these kids, they pretty much do what they're supposed to do. And then we're just trying to monitor screen time right. and make sure that they're not on the screens all the time, but then also be realistic of like, like that's the dance for us really is, is with older kids is dealing more with friendships and wanting to make sure that they're not, you know, disconnecting from their friends, but also that they're not just living on their devices. And it's um, for all of us because even anybody who runs a business right now, you're probably on your screen more than you would normally be because you're doing meetings online. Yep, for sure. Yeah, you're yes. just doing more of those also. Yeah, I've been really trying to like, I've been getting up early again, which for a while there I was sleeping in because we didn't have to take anybody to school or do any of those things. But I started getting up earlier again and getting trying to get as much work as I can do in the morning so that then I can go outside, you yeah. know, and be doing something else, get away from the screens. Right. Um, finally Isn't starting to be able so to read huge again. For your mental health too. So important. Oh, I know it saves me when so I know I'm important. When I feel I'm like, not balanced with that. I just, ha I know that that's the best thing I can do is to get outside. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't made any decisions yet about things that we don't want to go back to. I like that question. Um, we, Aaron and I are, we both work from home already. So we are pretty much homebodies. Like we would like to just have a compound and you know, everything gets delivered here and that would be just fine with us. And every two weeks I can meet up with my friends and that's perfect. Like that's, yeah. So for he and I, the two of us, we're like, this is, we're okay with this situation. Um, you know, and I don't want to be flipping about it because I know that lots of people have a really hard time, um, are having a hard time right now. Um, in terms of the kids' activities, though, I think it's just going to be so interesting because we don't know what's going to happen, mm -hmm. you know, and what, are they going to play sports? Are they going to go back to school in the fall? Like all of these things that are so up in the air, even summer activities where they would normally be going to camps. Mm -hmm. um, we have an outdoor pool that we normally go to. Like we just don't even know what the summer is going to look like yet. Right. Um, 
But we're totally down with a slower pace, like not having as many kid activities, you know, where we're driving around every night and multi- with five kids, you're, it's even more, you know, crazy. And um, so it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just so, it's such a, and we do have one kid that was going to graduate this year too. So that's been such a huge bummer for him yeah. to, you know, not get to experience that high school graduation and the end of high school. And Yeah. All right. I'd like to close with one last question. Okay. If you are not running your current business, what is Allie Edwards' alternative career path? I love this question too. Okay. So I'm totally either working like journalist, writing news, like for sure, which is our, I'm already like, that's a big piece of how I spend my day. Uh, not the non-working part of my day. Um, or photography. I think, I think for sure, like, I mean, it, those seem kind of, you know, in line with what I'm doing now, but those definitely are things that in my life, I think I would be satisfied if I was doing that in some way, you know, photojournalism, something like that for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Would you please share with our listeners how they can find you and learn more about you and your online classes and yeah, just Allie Edwards offer. Yeah, AllieEdwards.com, which is just A-L-I-E-D-W-A-R-D-S. That's my site that has the shop and the blog and the classes are all there. Also super active on Instagram, handles the same, Allie Edwards. Um, I love Instagram words and photos because it's words and photos. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love talking with you. Thanks so much for taking time. uh, Sure. Thanks for inviting me. I loved it. Great. Thank you. I created a free resource and mini workbook just for you. 10 Tips to Take Back the Peace for a More Beautiful Life. A free ebook if you're looking for some rest in your day today like I was. Go to jeanoliver.com slash 10 tips to get your free resource. Creativity is calling. Become the artist you have dreamed to be. After the podcast, meet me over at jeanoliver.com where you will find art, business, and lifestyle online courses. We have over 150 courses from teachers around the world. Thank you for joining me this week. Don't forget to let us know what you thought of this week's podcast and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing. Thanks for listening and see you next time.